Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Baka 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 Podcast. It's amazing how every time you open your mouth, you prove you're an idiot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a mini-sode of Baka Baka Baka. What is a mini-sode of Baka Baka Baka? Well, first, do you know what Baka 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 is? It's an anime a podcast where we talk about anime that we watched over the past two weeks. That's what we're usually about. But every once in a while, we do mini-sodes where we discuss various topics uh, just to hear ourselves talk because we love the sound of our voices and how similar they can be. Um, so smooth. Play this <laughs> at night to fall asleep. <laughs> Like a Bob Ross YouTube video. Yeah. Happy accidents. Before we get into the topic of today's minisode, I need the help of my co-host. First off, we have the chime to my ding. It is Jeremy. How are you doing? I'm I'm doing well. Um, I actually have a pretty cool thing to report, and that is that we are in the process of getting a blog on the website. So once we have some content put up, yeah, maybe there'll be something to read. So that's pretty cool. Other than that, I really don't have anything <laughs> new to report. <laughs> Signing off. <laughs> All right. We also have the bing to my bong, Jason. These are uh, right up there. Um, anyway. <laughs> it's a mini-sode, and we're, there's a character named Bell coming up. It all it ties together. Oh. Um, a little bit older news, but I'm sure most people know the new map on Apex came out. Um, and it feels like you're just calling into the wind because there is nobody to fight. And then all of a sudden, four teams show up at one spot and you die. Um, no, the map's a little too big, uh, but it's really cool looking. Uh, the design is cool. The biggest issue I have with it is they added NPCs uh, or they added some monster characters into it. You get cool rewards, but monster characters have no business being in a battle royale at all um it, it gives away your position um if you're getting chased by him while you're in a gunfight it just makes the gunfight just one-sided um yeah that's my feelings on that but yeah been having fun with that got a few wins in this week so sweet and my name's troy i'm gonna barely be participating in this mini so because you know, not really has anything to do with me but uh, i guess i i recently rewatched the kingsman uh I haven't done much rewatching stuff, and I want to say I rewatched The Kingsman. On a Black Friday sale, I bought a bunch of spy movies, like all the Daniel Craig, James Bond, all the Jason Bourne, uh, you name it. If it was a spy movie, I probably bought it. <laughs> if it's Mission Impossible, so I got all of them. Um, and I bought The Kingsman and, and Kingsman 2. Uh, I love The Kingsman. That is, a, that is a fantastic movie. That's all. Is the new one out yet? The like prequel? No, no, no. You excited I'm for excited. that one? I am. Is Matt, did Matthew Vaughn direct it? If it's the same director, I'm excited for it. If not, uh, I'll probably wait. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, his style is so unique for for the Kingsman. The way the the camera follows the action, so it's always center frame. It's so cool. And, and you know, my wife likes British people, so. She liked it too. All right, let's talk about uh, something important. For our mini-sode, we had actually a request to review uh, Danmachi Season 3, or is it wrong to pick up girls 
in a dungeon season three. Um, and, and we've already done two podcast episodes on it, so it, it's not within our purview to, to do. It's a, it's a stupid rule that I have just so that we don't get stuck on the same four anime in a rotation. Uh, always have fresh stuff coming in. But Jeremy and Jason don't like that rule. <laughs> no, uh, because, because they had this request uh, and you guys did really like that anime, whereas I had been more middling on it. Uh, you actually agreed together to to go watch it separately from the anime we were already watching and and discuss it in a mini so that at least we could have put out a little bit of extra content on, on that and get some reviews. I did not watch it, so I am more here just to moderate and and ask questions about the further adventures of Bell and his harem. So um, as it grows, <laughs> as, it, as, as I'm sure it does. Um so I guess we'll start with the the big question. Uh, Jason, we'll go with you. What did you think of the anime uh, and this this season? Um, little step down for me. Uh, I was a little disappointed uh, with. <laughs> if you watched our previous episode of Baka Baka Baka, uh, tone <laughs> issues. Um, it, I'll Broken have to record. say it definitely plays true to the rest of the story. I think it fits well with the previous two seasons. Um, but in a self-contained unit of a season three, um, I wasn't as happy with it as I was with season one and two. I still enjoyed it. Um, you know, the jokes landed fairly well. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd actually really like to get Jeremy's thoughts on it because um, a fellow Don Machi liker, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just, it didn't quite sit well with, with me yeah I, I love the idea that they were going for uh they were really trying to to go with this idea of um are the monsters really all monsters and can some be saved and and uh can we work with some can we coexist um and that's really cool i like the idea of exploring that but to me the thing that i really liked about don machi came in season one and that was the comedy i i loved how much it made me laugh in season one and i remember that season two was a bit of a step down from season one and i think season three is even more of a step down in the comedy it seems to take itself a lot more seriously and i kind of i'm torn because i want to respect that in the sense that um coexisting with monsters potentially is a serious topic and they decided to go that route with it but it's just not really the flavor i'm looking for when i watch don machi um so yeah it it left me unsettled as well not unsettled in a bad way just um felt a little bit off um one of the big things that caught my attention and we'll get into a deeper discussion here in a second um we the rpg elements of the anime are nearly completely left behind from season mm-hmm. one. Um, and also as far as the comedy goes, it's like we go from main character literally rolling away from his crush in the middle of a dungeon, which was <laughs> hilarious, to diving into the issues of slavery and poaching. Right. Ugh, it's just, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get into it. Mm-hmm. All right. Point goes to Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't matter what either of us say. Right. <laughs> Every point. <laughs> what? No, this is a very Jason fair and balanced moderation. 
right. So Jason has prepared me. Obviously, I haven't watched it, and we can't go through the plotline like we do in a regular episode. But he has prepared for me short descriptions of each of the story arcs. So I'll I'll bring them up, and then you guys can share your thoughts about the story arcs or anything special from them. So we'll start with the the first one, which is finding and hiding the weenie monster. <laughs> okay, hold on. So she's a monster, and her name's Weenie, but that's how I it's really, spelled. I've yeah, heard I it really both don't ways. Like... <laughs> What's that? I've heard it both ways. Uh, but she's <laughs> a dragon girl, from what I am to understand. Your guys' thoughts on uh, this arc? Terrible name. Right. Yeah. Um, I love the implications when they first introduce her. Like, you know, when you go into this dungeon, you murder everything that comes at you. And... Bell is the only one that goes, hold up. Those are tears, not claws. Um, and, you know, <laughs> takes her home. <laughs> Which, you know, that's that's a Bell thing to do. Uh, you know, Bell does as Bell does. Uh, need more girls in the house. Um, <laughs> right. And I, I love these interactions with like, um, th- there's a really cool scene where she, you know, the, the dragon girls, um, you know, really... <laughs> attaching herself to bell they're at a picnic she gets oh, yeah. a little too exuberant about how much she likes him and her claws tear his arm and she doesn't realize what she's done and instead of the whole like shunning or you know the, making a huge scene of it bell holds her hand and says you know it's okay i know you didn't mean to do that that was totally unexpected from my point of view when it comes to anime like that that was very offbeat and I really liked that where it was like, okay, we're gonna show this kindness and compassion. And I actually really enjoyed the, what they were setting up at this point. Mm-hmm. Um I, I thought it was interesting the role that she fell into, right? Like so we have uh from from season one, we have the little little pipsqueak girl that can change her shape. I can't remember her name. Um Lily. We have Lily, right? And Lily's kind of like a sister to him is how I see her, even though there is, you know, the natural harem romance. That's always the question there. She seems like a sister. And then you have. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no touching. And then you have the blonde one that we got in season two, which is like the Fox girl who is always so innocent and everything and acts like uh, a wife, basically like she's essentially wants to be his counterpart. And then you have the samurai girl who's another sister. This one shows up. Wiene wants to basically fill in the role of being his daughter. And it's really cool to see. Um, like, there is no romantic interest there. Not a single bit on either side. There's, like, this uh, this sense of innocence that she has. And this the, the roles are very quickly filled where he kind of steps up to the plate and starts acting like a dad. And the blonde fox lady starts acting like a mom. And they don't even really realize what they're doing. It's adorable. It's very, very cute to watch. Very well done. Um... And I think that if I there's one thing that I was initially complaining about, but later they they solved it by explaining things. I thought it was really weird how like she has no memory or anything, but she has language <laughs> and she understands concepts, but she doesn't understand like she doesn't have the words for everything, but she recognizes words. They explain it later. And I do find it to be a satisfactory explanation, but it definitely had me wondering what in the world was. How are they going to explain this? Um, so. Yeah, and I, I do like where they went with her too. Um, so I'm I'm pretty happy with with her as a character. Okay. 
I'm giving the point to Jeremy because he said the name Weene the most. <laughs> I knew I was gonna lose. <laughs> you were right in there, man. It was it was neck and neck. I don't think you said it once, and he said it once. It was it was very close. Um, <laughs> all right, part two. Uh, it seems this is about a man-made labyrinth called the 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 Nos SOS Gnosis. Kenosos, Kenosos, labyrinth. And this is a man-made labyrinth that is a competition for the dungeon. The dungeon, of course, being what all the adventurers go into to do their their adventuring in. Uh, and uh, so, your guys' thoughts on this, also the Ikalos Familia, which is another god, I'm assuming, and also mm-hmm. po- poaching in this one, like you guys had mentioned. Yeah. So the Ikalos Familia is poaching these uh poaching monsters and selling them off right and so um there's that moral quandary but i found this whole idea that side by side and there's connections from this labyrinth to the dungeon there was this dude that he was so obsessed with it that he actually has a blood bond between sons to because he goes crazy making this labyrinth he's like no dungeon's going to beat me in building a subterranean <laughs> structure. Yeah. And so they build this labyrinth. I don't know if anything inhabits it or if there's just traps or what it is, but uh, it literally goes side by side. And like on floor 19, which the adventures have, adventurers in previous seasons has, have not gone down to, um, there's a doorway that you can go into the directly into the dungeon, which they didn't know that there were any dungeon entrances outside of Babel, the top level one where the tower is. Um, so yeah, I thought I thought that was neat. Yeah, the the family, I really think I recognized them from season two. I remember something about there being uh, uh, that god being involved with uh, the alcohol issue that they were dealing with in in season two, but I don't remember the details very well. So it, it did seem like he was recurring as a villain. Um, but it, it was kind of cool because the, the guy who made this Gnosis uh, dungeon, I think he was the one that built Babel, the tower itself as well. Not the dungeon, of course, but he built the tower. And then after he built the tower, he he just got this obsession. Um, and I love the fact that you have to actually have an eye from one of his descendants to be able to get into the dungeon because <laughs> that's so you you have like these keys that are weird little spheres with an eyeball inside of them. And in the center of the iris is like a big D um, because that's his his name. And and that's pretty cool. But there's um, his name is Big D. <laughs> big D. <laughs> I don't remember the the like original descendants or uh, a name ancestor's name, right. but yeah. like it's the bloodline, right? So like any yeah. of his sons don't need to present a key; they can just walk in. But if you want to get in, you don't have the bloodline. You have to have one of these eyeballs. Yeah, which I I'm a little bit frustrated with how that was introduced, so that he could actually get the eyeball. It seemed a little bit contrived. I could see it like it did. It works, but it just at the time, really, it was a bit frustrating because the elf girl from the previous season shows up and just gives it to him. Basically gives him a bag with, hey, there's stuff in here you might need. And and I happens to be in there. And yeah. Yeah. All right. This point, in all fairness, goes to Jason. 
but I do need to take it away. I'm going to give it to Gamer Dad, our, our follower on Twitter, because <laughs> he always likes our tweets and he, he's listened to us for such a long time. Uh, you know, it didn't matter who got it; it was going to him. But it should have been Jason, but it just won't go to your your final score. Sorry, man. <laughs> I feel <All> attacked. Right. <laughs> you are right in this. All right, uh, part three. <laughs> you can make a comeback. <laughs> uh, what are these names? Fell and Uranus plants <laughs> and humans coexist. The intelligent monsters, uh, yeah, the intelligent monsters and humans should they should they live together? All right, so there's another familia, the Oroanus. Yeah, Oroanus. Yeah, so his familia is doesn't seem very large, no, um, but he seems very like prominent in, amongst the gods, uh, or at least important. But he also works in the shadows. I didn't really get this character. I, I remember from season one, there was talk about one of the gods that actually was like the god over the dungeon and that he didn't have like a familia yes. of people. And I think that's this guy. Oh, that's right. Because he. OK, so he directs the guild. Yeah. And he can give orders to the guild to another familia. And that familia cannot reject that order from the guild that mm-hmm. comes from this dude. Anyways, he's run into this group of monsters that have gained intelligence um, and he called them the Xenos and he wants to see if humans and them can coexist. So Bell finding Wiene is, was very much a contrived instance because he believed that <laughs> Bell might be the key to bridge this gap. So uh, that, uh, and also Fell's a really interesting character. Um, He's basically a lich that doesn't need mm-hmm. a container. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I I really like this storyline. I like where it's going. Yeah, I, I thought it was a little bit odd that he, they didn't try to um, have the. What am I trying to say? I think it would have been smart, given that he's a god that watches over the dungeon and has control of the guild to use guild members to essentially introduce the concept of the Xenos down inside of the dungeon city. Let the dungeon city be the place where you experiment and try to, you know, have a friendly relationship. These creatures, let them stay in the dungeon, let them live there, but they maybe can be friendly merchants that come to the city in the dungeon and don't go outside for a while. It was weird to me. The issue that that we came across though is, the issue that we came across, though, is that a lot of the monsters, or the Xenos specifically, they they wanted to see sunlight. They wanted to see the sky. Mm-hmm. They didn't like being in the dungeon all the time because they had to fight all the time. Because yeah. the monsters would attack them as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I could see the con- conundrum that they were coming across because you had this large force of intelligence monsters starting to gather. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you... Because... So in the beginning, there's this uh, warrant for a monster with armor and weapons and they're like what yeah they he he equipped armor <laughs> that, that's weird mm-hmm. so um yeah I, I i really liked where it was going at this point yeah it seemed like they would be able to to say we will get you to the surface we totally will but it's going to take two steps instead of just one um but yeah 
it was cool to see them constantly migrating around too, having to go to like the dungeon has prepared these places, these wombs for us, these sanctuaries where we can migrate back and forth like nomads to survive. Um, Fell was awesome. Well, I love their explanation because I, I don't know if they explain the intelligent monsters and how they appear here. It might be later, but basically, you know, they're like, you know, how if a human souls die, it goes to heaven. Well monster soul dies it goes back to the labyrinth but these souls are remembering each death mm-hmm. and they're getting they're gaining intelligence and gaining um sentience um and i thought that was a really cool design for this story so yeah lots of baggage <laughs> they have terrible nightmares <laughs> yeah I'm going to be honest, I, I got a little distracted and started scrolling through Twitter on that one, so no points for this one. Uh, we'll just move on. Best moderator ever. <laughs> Dang Twitter. <laughs> uh, Zeno fights with dicks. and <laughs> Come on, Jason. These can't be real names. Are you just messing with me? No. It's All D-I-X. Right. Dix removes Wheaties' jewel and she goes crazy. <laughs> no, I didn't even think about that when I wrote that. Uh, but Zeno Maybe defeats, the story was telling something else. Zeno defeats the Ikalos family and, and Dix and everyone ends up it ends up on the surface. Alright, so Dix is like the main bad guy, which yeah. is really funny that his name's Dix. Um <laughs> And he's like Achilles, uh main dude, right? And he's mm-hmm. the main poacher, and he's the descendant of the dude that built the labyrinth. Mm-hmm. But he's going nuts, right? And so, um, but he's 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 found these intelligent monsters, and he's taken his poaching to the next level, and he's selling these intelligent monsters off for terrible things. Um. So when the Xenos find out that one of their parties has been attacked and the poachers have taken them, they find out how to get into the labyrinth from floor 19. They enter, they battle, um, and Dix is able to take Winnie's jewel. So she's got this jewel on her forehead, and it's basically her intelligence, her personality, her everything. He rips it off. So then she goes berserk and becomes just a dungeon monster with bits of her intelligence and personality still in there, but mainly just a monster. And so she goes running off and she gets to the surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I found two things. Uh, well, one thing was interesting and one thing was kind of weird. So like none of the other monsters have a gem on their forehead. Uh, so it, it's interesting to me that you can just kind of take her intelligence away so easily. Um definitely seemed like it was there to allow this plot beat, um, which I thought was kind of a a little bit sad. So this but, is where the story starts to get a little lazy in its writing for me. Yeah, exactly. It felt a little lazy. Um, but on the other side of the spectrum, I really liked the way that they explained Dick's behavior because Dix was clearly a sadist. He was enjoying every time that he would harm or murder these intelligent monsters mainly because they're intelligent. He he got up to level 5 as a character. Now keep in mind the numbers stay really low in this anime. So level 5 is like orders of magnitude more powerful than a level 4 or a 3. Yeah, Bell's and, only 3. 
Yeah, and Bell's only three. So he's ridiculously powerful. And so he's been down in the dungeon just slaughtering monsters, trying to quiet this bloodlust that he has for building the dungeon. It's not a bloodlust for killing. It's literally a bloodlust. And I say that because it comes from his blood bond. It's a bloodlust to continue building the Nosos human-made dungeon. And and it's constantly on his mind, and it's driving him nuts. And so he would go in, and he'd fight things, but it didn't seem to make a difference. So then he discovered these intelligent monsters, and he enjoyed the sadistic uh, pleasures of harming, torturing, and killing them. And so come to find out, the only way he can sate his bloodlust to build the temple is to basically be a psychopath, a serial killer that thrives off of this. And I thought... You know, when we were first introduced to him and he was doing these sadistic things, I was like, how is this guy like he's horrible? I can't believe he's doing this stuff. How can he be so sadistic? And I thought they did a good job explaining why he is like it's he's an insane man with a horrible disability that is quieting his disability with horrendous things. Um, and, and that was interesting that they chose to do it that way. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, uh, they. Wait, you doing my job? You are. Okay. You are. Okay. Point to Jeremy. Point to Jeremy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I see. I'm getting penalized. Yeah, you gotta steal my job. Of you this is unfair. What did you think was gonna happen? All right, part five. <laughs> uh, the humans are now hunting Wiene, and uh, she gets killed but resurrected. Uh, the Xenos is under hiding underground, trying to get back into the dungeon, and there's a giant minotaur fight in this arc. Let Jason try this time. Just try. Okay. I can't do it. Um, <laughs> no, so when A escapes the, the temple, or the, the labyrinth, she gets up on the uh, on the surface, so all the Xenos, after defeating Dix and his familia, they go to try and save her, but she's already rampaging through the streets fortunately she doesn't kill anybody um but as the loki familia is about to kill her bell puts his life on the line and like blocks any shots and they're really confused like why are you protecting a monster and even earlier he had asked eyes which their relationship is so sparse throughout this anime Mm -hmm. um which is really frustrating i thought that was his whole world was eyes um, His power revolves around her, which just makes it really weird that she's not there. Yeah, uh, but he ends up asking her, like, hey, uh, let's just say a monster might have the same emotions and intelligence as you. What would you do? She's like, I'd murder them. <laughs> <laughs> no hesitation. She's just like, yeah, I'd kill him. Uh, so this this is really confusing for her because she looks down and sees him like, you know, don't touch it. And then he comes up with the excuse of. I saw it first, so this is my kill. And <laughs> then, you know, takes off and goes hunting after him. Uh, this this is where the writing got really lazy and also frustrating for me. So one of the draws for me with Don Machi in season one and two was the political intrigue and the political battles that were happening behind the scenes with the gods. It, Hestia is... Not nearly as prominent, which I could take her leave for any of the seasons, really, because uh, she's kind of dumb. But in this season, she's fairly wise. Um, Hermes was a huge letdown. Uh, he did not. One he minute. Was a, 
completely different character. One minute what? time. One minute what? time. You have, you have one minute left in well, <laughs> 30 seconds now. Left in your... <laughs> um, it, it, so anyways. Uh, He's just going to ignore it. That, they, they start, my point is they start to try and do this like political infighting between the gods again on, as a tertiary. And it was just not particularly... Great job, Jeremy. Your response? Wow. <laughs> I would donate some of my time, but I think I'll use it all. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I loved the scene where she, you know, they actually, they had guts. They killed her. It was sad. You felt it. And then they went and resurrected her. And like, yeah. I get it. I knew they were going to. But. Man, it was so potent when they let her die. Like it really meant something, and it could have been a really, uh, a really strong learning moment for Bell, right? Something that could affect him throughout the following seasons. He would have to grow to deal with the trauma, the loss, uh, maybe his perspective on on the humans as opposed to, you know, the monsters. All of that just disappears when you resurrect her and, and get her back in the game. And so I was really sad that they did that, but I did expect it because Don Machi doesn't really like I was actually really surprised that they had the guts to kill her off in the first place. It just doesn't seem like something this anime would do. It wants to be a bit more lighthearted than that. Um, and Grow your abs. What's that? Grow a spine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and you're absolutely right that like the political intrigue really isn't there. Like even Ikelos, uh, the Ikelos Familia, the god that's in charge of that family is just kind of a layabout that doesn't really lead. He lets Dix do whatever he wants. And so there, there is no political, <laughs> as it should be, uh, there is no political intrigue there because it's more about just the human doing what the human wants. And he's just motivated by the bloodlust and sadism. So, what happens winds up happening purely because of Bell's action, not because of any interesting play by the gods. Um, there is one attempt made time. coming up. Was that time? We're approaching time. Oh, we're approaching. Okay. There's there's one attempt made to to actually um, to do a little political intrigue right at the end, and I kind of felt like it fell flat on its face with Hermes um, because it just seemed out of character and and brutal when it didn't even need to be there it was it was kind of dumb i thought so he went overtime that's my point by <laughs> default both contestants did a great job but i did such a great job moderating i'm taking the point for me one point for troy <laughs> <laughs> some top-notch moderating all right final part uh final storyline uh the hestia family and bell have to help xenos escape um and get them into the dungeon. Bell faces. I can't say that word, Jason. We are. What, eyes? We, oh, one S. <laughs> uh, I Bell faces eyes and convinces her that intelligent monsters are real and they can be saved. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I thought this part was okay. There was a little bit of cat and mouse. It just didn't. I don't know. It, it, again, it just felt lazy. Um, so yeah, they they play. Bell plays distraction, which actually there's a really funny part because Eyes is watching him because they're 
convinced that he's helping monsters. And like one girl comes up and he deals with her. And then another girl comes up and she's like, oh, another girl. And then another girl comes up. He's another girl. And then another girl like grabs his arm. She's like, what is going on? <laughs> um, so the monsters escape, but the Minotaur fight is oh, it's fantastic. Good. Yeah. Um, so apparently in season one, Belle fights that, fights that big Minotaur. This Minotaur's gained intelligence, and he's been down on the twentieth floor, getting stronger. And he's like, and he finally finds Bell in the street. He's like, "Hey, I don't know if you remember me, but I'd like a rematch. Can we do that?" And he's like, and "He's yes. only got one arm." Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> a dwarf took his arm earlier, um, yep. or no, eyes did. That was eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah eyes did. So, anyways, he uh, he just wrecks Bell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- yeah, this whole the, the fight sequence was amazing. Um, absolutely beautiful. As a matter of fact, I think it was like this is up there with in in my mind, at least with like one punch man fight scenes, even though it only lasts for <laughs> like 40 seconds of, of that level of quality of of, uh, of animation. But uh, but it's really cool because you don't expect Bell to lose, right? It's stereotypical in an anime that the protagonist is going to win that final battle. And the fact that he loses it, but he loses to an opponent who is, you know, he's beat him before. And the opponent literally says, you know, all right, that's one for me, one for you. We're going to meet one more time later and we'll settle this. <laughs> and then walks <laughs> off down into the dungeon. And that was just really cool to see because you'd think, you know, when we're introduced to that Minotaur in, in, in season one, he's just a throwaway you know, hurdle for Bell to leap over. So to have him come back into this season three and be such an important character, he's the one that kills Dix. So like he is an important character. He gets to kill the villain of this season. He chops Dix with his axe. <laughs> he does. So I'd this be afraid. A, this is a family friendly show, mister. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. that was, It was a little gory. Yes. Um, and, and I also really enjoyed the scene where, um, Wiene comes back and saves Bell. <laughs> the names, right? Wiene comes back and saves Bell, uh, and and just what she was willing to sacrifice in order to uh, oh, prove yeah. that she wasn't a monster. That was so heartwarming. Like you really felt this character was was willing to she she was willing to deface herself and rip off everything that might might define her as a monster. Yeah, Eyes goes, yeah, you're going to hurt someone with those claws. You're going to terrify people with those rings. She breaks off her nails mm-hmm. and then rips her wing off and just like is bleeding out. And Eyes is just like, I can't kill you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that that changes my perspective. I do. Yep. Yeah. She reached scene. her. Yeah. And that was really cool. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was a really good conclusion to that. It showed that, you know, Eyes has changed her perspective. But the Hermes thing really got me because then Hermes is like, okay, everybody's saved down here. That's great. No, we need four of you. You're going to go up and you're going to fight Bell and you're going to lose and you're going to die because we need to get Bell's uh, reputation back up again. And I, I don't know. I really didn't like that whole sequence. And this is what led to the Minotaur fight. Um, because those four went to fight with him and Bell's like, I'm not, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to kill you. I know you're good guys. And so they got to essentially flee when the Minotaur showed up. So it was almost like it didn't matter in the first place. Like they could have just had the Minotaur come up and hit Bell and done that without having Hermes try to do this political maneuver. Um, And so it felt wasted. That's why I say it seemed like it fell flat on its face. They didn't need to do it. I'll be honest. This one is a, is a tie. We're going to have to go to a tiebreaker. Um, 
guys who's got the longer beard? <laughs> Je- Jeremy. Jeremy's got a longer beard. Point for Jeremy. <laughs> close, close, close one. Good thing you randomly picked the tiebreaker. <laughs> and, and and good thing we, uh, you know, it was between people who had beards, so I guess Troy wouldn't be able to part of that. That's true. Troy gets a negative point there. You lose your point, Troy. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you trying to tell the moderator what to do? No, sorry, never mind. We were winning this thing a second ago. (laughs) I need to just sit down and shut up. (laughs) All right. uh, uh, The end of our Is It Wrong to Try to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon Season 3, or Danmachi, as as you guys like to call it, uh, comes to four points for Jeremy. Zero points for Jason, a point from Jason for uh, Gamer Dad, and one point for the great moderating Troy. Yeah, that's uh, so Jeremy wins. Woo! Wow. Our first ever <laughs> and last ever championship of Baka 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 reviewing. Don Machi. <laughs> last championship of ever. <laughs> All right. Uh, I give it three Bacas. I also give it three. Three, three bakas. All right. Uh, we are next week talking about the anime Fina Pirate Princess. Uh, and we will be reviewing that with our regular episode. If you have any thoughts about Danmachi season three or any other anime that we have discussed, feel free to reach out to us on our Twitter at Baka Podcast. Our website, the animebakaclub.com has a contact us link there or you can leave a comment wherever you found this podcast and it'll get back to us as well and we do really appreciate the feedback from what we've been getting lately it has been fantastic thank you guys so much and we do have more fun things in the future that we we hope to be able to announce soon with that i think it's time for us to say goodbye thanks for listening except for Troy's moderation <laughs> i won Jam, he's the champion. Oh, <laughs> Sayonara. <laughs> <laughs>